Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. For those viewing us online, we welcome you. We thank you for being with us this morning. For those in the house, let's stand to our feet. We're here to worship and magnify the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us worship and praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. Say people from every nation. People from every nation and time. From generation. From generation to generation. We worship you. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. Sing you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Sing people from every nation. People from every nation and time. From generation to generation. We worship you. Who you are? 
his name. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. For the Lord is good and his mercies endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercies endureth forever. Come on, let's shout a praise in the house of God. We give him thanks. We give him honor. Father, you are so good to us. We want to present ourselves, Lord God. As the writing Paul said to the book of Romans, to the Romans, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that we have presented ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So, God, we ask of you, God, the God of mercy, the God of justice, the God of kindness, the God of grace. God, we thank you, God. Lord God, we thank you for your mercies towards us. We thank you, God, for your kindness. We cannot yet express the things that you've done. The voices of a million angels cannot express your gratitude that you have made and bestowed upon us. And so, God, we thank you as we come to you today. We present this service before you. We pray that, God, you've already filled this place because you never left us, God. You have been here with us. You have abided with us. You were here before we were even here. God, you were here. You knew what was going to come. And we pray, Lord God, that you will continue to abide. We pray your presence, Lord God, to fill this place, Lord God, with the presence of God. Every heart, every mind, every spoken word, Lord God, let it be to your praise, to your honor. Let, Lord God, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Father, we pray for those who are watching, those who cannot be here presently. We pray a blessing upon their lives, upon their families, upon their finances, upon their health, God. We pray, Lord God, the blessings upon their children, Lord God, near and far. We pray, Lord God, right now for the city of Hamilton right now. Lord God, whatever is happening in the city of Hamilton beyond our control, we pray, Lord God, the presence of God that is permeating in here. Lord God, we extend it to beyond Nottingham Way. And we pray, Lord God, that you go into the, to the, to the oh God, shopping malls. We pray your presence go through the school systems. God, we pray that we become influencers in this community, not just in Hamilton, but in Mercer County, God. For, God, you have planted us here to be a blessing, not just into the state of New Jersey, but in the state of North, in the regions of Northeastern Corridor of the United States. And, God, even down the East Coast, God. We shall be a people of the name, hallelujah, a people that will praise him, a people that will be called by his name, a people will humble themselves and pray and seek God's face, and we will continue to look unto you, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We bless the service in your hand, the word that will be going forth. We thank you, Father, for the praise team, and we thank God for the people of God who are here as we will continue to worship the Lord together in the beauty of holiness. So I need you to put your hands together. I need you to open your mouth, even though you have a mask on, and lift up our praise to God as we worship him together in Jesus' name. God bless you.
you this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you all the glory and all the honor this morning, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's just praise him this morning. His word this morning is more than enough this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And can we praise the Lord, everybody, this morning? Hallelujah. Can we praise the Lord one more time? Is indeed worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord God. We give you glory and honor this morning. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated if you can. Amen. Praise God. There is a spirit of worship in this place this morning. Amen. And whatever you came for this morning, amen. If you just open up your hearts and your mind, ready to receive from the Lord this morning, the Lord will pour out on you this morning His blessing. Amen. And His spirit. Amen. So we're so glad to be in the house of God one more time to praise and to magnify the Lord. Truly, we are serving an awesome God who is worthy to be praised. There is none like him. There is none to compare. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you this morning. We pray and do hope that you're having a good time in the Lord wherever you are this morning, worshiping the Lord. Amen. We pray that the Lord will bless you richly this morning. Amen. Praise God. So good to be in the house of God one more time to 
magnify his name and to call upon his name and to worship his name knowing that he is our provider he is our keeper he's our way maker he's the one that opened up doors for us that no man can shut amen so we are serving an awesome god so you know so i was looking over the sanctuary this morning as always and i said in life you know we do have something that we rejoice over it could be either we get a raise in our jo- a, a raise in our in our, our job a pay increase we re- rejoice over that it could be one of our favorite athletic theme that we uh love to sit and watch either basketball football hockey soccer whatever it is we we rejoice when our team is successful it could be that you 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 you, you Children accomplish, you know, great things in life, and we rejoice over that. And nothing wrong with all the things that I've said. But, but, but sometimes, you know, you look around and you see people just kind of hold back and uh, just lay back and don't rejoice in the Creator, in the God that made us, that sustained us, that gave us life. And, uh, and we just, you know, we just think it's cool just to be like that. But we choose to worship the other things, if you please. But our God is worthy to be praised. Regardless of what goes on in our life or the things that we enjoy doing, He should be number one in everything that gave all the glory and all the honor. Because He's the one that sustained us and being our provider. So this morning as we're here worshiping God, don't forget to put God in your life as your number one person that you should worship and adore and praise you know so while we were on our way from winter fire this uh yesterday coming down on the highway and um i said within uh less than a, a thousand feet no more than brother d at least 500 feet or so in front of us uh i was behind this car that for some reason um i don't know if he fell asleep distracted or whatever happened this guy swerved to the right, you know, in a, a, aggress- a very aggressive way. I mean, um, I mean, it was all ice and everything. He slid over, and then he came right over back to, to the shoulder on the left side. So, you know, I had enough time to break up and, uh, you know, observe to see what was going on. Then he, he was able to, I uh, guess, you know, when he realized what was going on, he was conscious to, you know, control the vehicle. So while we were talking, myself and Pastor... And um, so, you know, we use this analogy. um, He he said, um, you know, we were saying, you know, what what really saved that driver from from not either, uh, you know, had a more uh, severe accident or even cut across uh, the street to hit another vehicle, which, you know, many times we hear about accident where a vehicle, you know, cut across the street and hit the vehicle that's coming on the opposite side. And it happened so many times. And, uh, you know, so he said, um, he said, the guardrail is there for a reason. In this life that we live, you know, when, when, when Jesus created us, he gave us, you know, signs and laws and uh, uh, things uh, as Christian where we, we, we got to obey certain rules in, in life in order to be successful. And um, so we say, yeah, if it wasn't for the guardrail, it could be more severe. You know, we stood and we stopped for a few seconds. 
And I drove by, you look, and then we just keep going. You know, thank God there was not enough traffic. But, you know, there, there is something about when you're serving God and in the presence of God. Because it would happen when you're in the presence of God. He put angels around you to protect you and to keep you from all arms and all dangers. The, the, the scripture said the angel of the Lord encamped around about them that fear him. And when you can put your trust and faith in God, who is our Savior and our Keeper and our Protector, He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. 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 So we're so honored that everyone take the time out to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Uh, we, we really had a very powerful uh, winter fire this past few days. And oh my God, I was so richly blessed. I don't know if someone have a testimony that they want to stand up and share about the goodness of the Lord and what the Lord has done for them. If someone has a testimony that you want to testify this morning, would uh, um, you know you want to stand and testify just for a few seconds? We welcome you to stand and testify this morning. Amen. Is there someone with a testimony this morning? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So um, while, while you're thinking whether or not you should uh, testify, you know, I'm going to say truly we're serving an awesome God. Our God is truly mighty and is greatly to be praised. So we're so honored this morning to be a part of his kingdom because when you're a part of the kingdom of God, you know, great things happen in life where God is the one that make it possible for the things that happen in our life to happen. So, you know, I would encourage everyone to continue to rejoice in the Lord. Continue to be glad in the Lord in everything that the Lord is doing. That God has been doing so many things in our life. And we must rejoice. We must give Him all the glory and all the honor because He is our Savior, our Keeper. He is the Kings of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one that we worship and adore. He is the one that died for us and is the one that coming back for us. So we have all right, you know, all reason to praise and to magnify him and give him all the glory and all the honor because he's worthy to be praised this morning. Amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Our God is truly greatly to be praised this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. While you're uh, getting ready for offering, amen, we're going to get ready for offering at this time. Amen. Now we're going to invite you one more time if you could stand with us this morning. Amen. Don't forget if you're giving online, um, there are three ways you can give online. If you're giving online, you can uh, give to, uh, you know, our um, online. Once we meet, get our website up, then we can give you the instruction for where to give to if you're giving online. Praise God. Amen. www.myccc.faith. That's one way. The other way is PayPal. Uh, which is at Christ Center Church, amen, and the cash app is at uh, dollar sign, CCC 2711, those are the ways that you can give electronically, and if you're in the house of God this morning, amen, and you want to be a blessing, you can uh, see Brother Jordan over by the booth, uh, he will take care of your electronic uh, payments this morning, amen, our ushers in the front, amen, uh, feel free, again, we're in um, our reach program right uh, at this time, so if anyone want to give, we have two envelopes that we use. We have one, I think Brother Tom, I have the one to his left. Left and right, he has the blue one, which is for a regular tithes and offering, and the white one is the one that we use for a reach program for a building fund. So please feel free, be a blessing unto the Lord this morning. Remember, we're trying to raise 1.7 to 2.5 million 
God is opening up the door for us for the church building. And we're thankful for what God is doing in this hour. So be generous in your giving this morning. If you can't stand with us, we're inviting you to stand one more time as we pray and ask the Lord's blessing as we receive this offering, the offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord God. We give you all the glory and all the honor this morning. We worship you because you're great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for one more time for bringing us in your presence where we can worship you, where we can glorify and magnify your name. You are truly worthy to be praised. As we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask you, oh God, to bless every giver, those who have to give and those who have not likewise. Make a way so that they too can receive your blessings, oh God. We give you all the glory and all the honor as we continue to worship you. In the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen. 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 Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord this morning. Amen. When I cannot see, when I can't take another step, Lord, would you carry me? When I've lost my fight, will you be my strength? Will you set me a table in the presence of my enemies? I shall not want, I shall not want. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. Cause my cup's running over, running over, and I shall not want. And I will lift my eyes to where my help comes from. And I won't be afraid of the shadow cause I've seen the sun. No, I will not stop when the way gets hard. Cause the green only grows in the valley and that's where you are. Sing, I shall not, I shall not want. I shall not want. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. Hallelujah. I shall not want. Cause my cup's running over. Cause my cup's running over, running over, and I shall not want. and your mercy. I got everything that I need. Your goodness and your mercy. Sing that one time, say. I got everything that I need. Your goodness and your mercy. I got goodness and I got mercy. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Say I got good and I got mercy and I got mercy. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, glory, Hallelujah. I got goodness, I got good and I got mercy and I got mercy. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, glory, Hallelujah. The good shepherd, the good shepherd. 
Hallelujah. Boy, y'all better watch out if God bless me to see. Y'all gonna be like, what is wrong with this preacher? In the middle of the message, bust out. I've got everything that I need. Your goodness and your mercy. Got everything that I need. You're good. I've got goodness. And I've got mercy. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Woo. Man, what a day. What a day. I can't wait to meet Jesus and dwell with him for all eternity. I love worshiping the Lord with you. I love to praise the Lord with you. And we are just having just a wonderful time. I know uh, the, the 9 a.m. service, um, I feel bad every once in a while for them. Not Just once in a while. I didn't finish my message this morning, but I just stopped where the Holy Ghost led me to stop at. And we had a great time. But every once in a while, I just always say, I wish that we could be together all at once because then, you know, we can get to experience all of what God wants to do together. And so we had a great time this morning and God did what he wanted to do in the house. Amen. We couldn't we we couldn't get another person in here if we wanted to this morning. Amen. So we just got to let the Lord do what he wants to do and um continue to just be excited about what is before us i told you i feel strongly that somebody's going to write a big check yeah i feel like somebody's going to write a check for half a million dollars and send to us mm, that's what i talk oh that's when i mentioned that this morning you thought it was a small check no 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 no. listen if you living for god and you walk by faith you'll realize you have to believe god for what you know you can't do the minute you believe God for what you can do, the devil will come in and tell you that it's you and it's not God. You see that building right there? I've got goodness and I've got mercy. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. My God. We can just, Josephine, we're going to be able to just run and run and run and run and run and run. And we'll be able to say, whoever want to go home, go ahead. And whoever want to stay, just can stay. Hallelujah. Brother Dibble preached about that at Winterfire. Oh, he brought the house down. But he only brought the house down for people that really was, you know. (laughs) But he talked about that. How back in the day, man, nothing stopped us from being in the house of the Lord. And how sometimes service just go on and on and on. And we didn't try to, you know, end service. We just wanted to bask in the glory and the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you, we're getting ready to see that. We will be a part of what God is doing in this end time in the Northeast region for how the power of God will move. And no longer will we just think it's only down south in Texas and Indiana, the Midwest states. No longer will those places be the only places where they're telling us about, man, God is moving. We will be telling them about what God is doing in the Northeast. And it's going to seem even more special because they think that in the Northeast here, we're just messed up. Yeah, we're just messed up in the Northeast. That's what every part of the country thinks. The Northeast and the West, we're just messed up. We <laughs> but it, but you, you want to hear what's funny. Uh, Azusa Street is, is in the West. Uh-huh. And the Great Awakening was in the East. 
but, but somehow we're messed up more than anybody else. <laughs> but we thank God. He's so good. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Winter fire was good. We had a good time. God kept us going and brought us back safely. And we're so grateful and we're so thankful for that. Amen. Uh, I greet all of you in the wonderful name of Jesus. I see I have my family here, my extended family here this morning. Amen. So, yeah. You, you, you want to hear something? Well, Carson, you don't really know, but I'll fill you in. But here's the story, um, Carson. You know, I kind of raised your sisters up a little bit before you even came on the scene, right? So I raised your sisters, Carson. And when they came in, the first thing I'm trying to do is to make out who's Amanda and who's Samantha. But I raised them, though, Carson. I, I did it. You weren't around. But I did it. I, I, I raised Samantha, and I babied Amanda. Yes. I won't even call her by the nickname I gave her. Won't even call you in public like that, Amanda. I won't call you out. I got it. I, I'm not going to embarrass you. You're a young lady, and, you know, th th those are just nicknames that will stay in the house. But it's good to see my extended family, Carson, Amanda, Samantha. I heard Samantha had a big birthday yesterday. My goodness, big celebration, 16th birthday. Our kids are getting so big. Amen. And Mama in the back, Mrs. McCarthy, good to see you. That's my girl right there. That's my girl right there. That's right. Amen. Real, real, real person she is. She keep it real. Good to see y'all. Amen. Your husband, um, phone kept dialing my phone for the past month, Sasanya. It just kept dialing. I said, mm-hmm. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Some days it ring, and I said, I'm not calling back. I don't know. If he wants to talk, he will call me. So God was up to something. Amen. And so I thank God for you all and what you're doing down in your area. Thank God for you. I said, I'm going to say, I'll say this publicly. I can say it publicly. Maybe um, sometimes my, I'm accused of downplaying um, some of my roles and responsibility. So uh, um, every once in a while, I'll step up to the table and assume the role and responsibility. And here is w what I am going to say. I feel so, so um, passionate about what God is going to do in the Northeast region. I don't just um, say here in New Jersey, here in Mercer County. I don't say that. I say the region of the Northeast um, because I believe God is going to do something very special. And I believe that if we stay faithful, we will be a catalyst and a big part of that. And I'll say that to say this, that for everyone that will launch out because there's going to be many people that's going to launch out and they're going to start ministry. Um, I want to be able to be of help to you in some way, shape or form. And the reason why I want to say this publicly is because a lot of churches were started and who the pastor had in his corner or in his life or could look to as an example wasn't someone that was leading a thriving church and so if you're not affiliated with people that are doing great things for God it's going to be extra difficult for you to do anything for God 
And sometimes we allow our pride and we allow different things to get in the way of us doing great things for God by just going to someone that we can say truly this person's doing something. I was telling the Scarlets when we was coming down from Winterfire, here are the people that I have in my life that are just serious people that have, you can see what they've done. I've got Brother Kuhn as my elder, as you know, he, he's just, you know, elder in my life, and um, he can point his finger at my face and tell me off, and I'll just say, okay, sir, and just that's the end of it. Nothing to argue about, because everybody needs somebody in Christ to tell them about themselves, and they know how to say, okay. So if you don't have somebody as a Christian to point in your face and says, you're wrong, and you need to fix this or you need to change this, if you don't have that, you put yourself in grave danger of not being uh, staying on the right path because you need something to keep you on the right path. And so I've got um, Brother Kuhn as my elder in my life. I've got um, Brother Weber, that is my brother that just looked after me as a big brother. Got Brother Dibble on the right, Brother Weber on the left. I, I, and these are just great men of God in my life. I got my buddy, uh, Jimmy Tony, that's down in Florida. These are men. I mean, there's plenty of people that I know, but I'm talking about men that is in my life that a text message away that we speak um, regularly, we connect, and they help me to do what I got to do. And this church will go and is going to do great things because we made sure we connected with people that have done it, that are doing it, and that are thriving. Are we connected to other people that we are going to bring with us? That's the way it works. So we will do that. But we had a great chance of success because of who surrounded us. Yes, we have the great God that was working in us, but many have gone out and have a great God, the same God we have. And because you need training, you need to understand certain things for, to make it work. So I just that's something that you will hear me continue to say. And so I guess as the superintendent of the North Central Jersey District, I guess I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> so um, I just want to continue to communicate that. And I want Christ Center Church to understand God is going to use us to help to love people, to help people, and that's what we're here for, to serve God and serve his people. That's it. Hallelujah. Well, I look forward to just a quick update before we get into the word of God. I was telling them this morning that um, Thursday while I was at Winterfire, our attorneys reached out to me and said, hey, pastor, um, I need to sign the documents that we're going to submit to the township for the use variance. And we need your signature um, on those documents. And I said to them, I said, well, I'm in Connecticut. I won't get home till late Saturday evening. And so next week I'm going to be in St. Louis. So I'm not going to be able to sign those documents till Friday. And they said to me, we need those documents signed ASAP. We want to get them into the township this week. I said, well, I don't know how we're going to do that. And they said to me, I tell you what, we'll FedEx the documents over. You sign them. We'll um, have a self-stamp um, envelope that you can send it right back to us. And so I signed the documents last night when I got in. I'll drop it off in the box, in the FedEx box in front of the FedEx building when I get out of here today. And they will have it Monday afternoon. And our use variance application will be in the township office this week, which starts the process of us receiving our use variance for the property. At the same time, I got an email from our um, um, financial institution, UPCI Loan Fund, got an email from them, and um, they just wanted a couple more documents because they're building our resume to submit it. Um, well, they submitted us 
to underwriters already. It's just whatever the underwriters now ask as they go through the document. They would say, okay, we need this document, we need that. And I just keep funneling uh, documents over to them. So I got one more thing I have to send to them today. And hopefully that will be it. The next time we will hear from them will be a written letter saying you are approved for this much money if you want to finance the property. So that way when the day come, Brother D., uh, where we get the use variance, there's not a whole lot of time lapse where we sit down at the table to, uh, to, to, to make the purchase and make it official. So we are grateful for what God is doing and we're thankful. But as I said, it's because of a lot of people around us. Uh, people are pointing us in the right direction. We have people that we're connected to that help us. And so we're just thankful for what God is doing. And because God has been good to us, we're, so, we're certainly going to be good to everybody that we encounter. Amen. Well, we're going to get right into the word of the Lord, and uh, we'll be out of here shortly. We have one baptism at least, hopefully by the time we get out of here. So this morning I told my son, my last born, I told him, I says, go get me a baptism robe and a towel. Um, we've got a baptism today. And um, I came down. He had two baptism robes and two towels. And I was about to say, didn't I tell you? And I just stopped. I said, maybe somebody else want to be baptized today. Maybe we have two people to get baptized today. So when we leave here today, we're going down the street to baptize one. Will you be the other person that wants to get baptized? I don't think anything is coincidence when we're talking about the things of God. So I got two baptismal robes. I got two towels. And if you want to be baptized today, we can baptize you. Let's stand and let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 22, verse number 40. Luke 22, verse number 40. Amen. I want God to have his way in this place. Help. Anybody going to help me preach this morning? Amen. I want the Holy Ghost to have his way. Luke 22, verse 40. The word of the Lord says, And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. I mentioned this morning that this is a clear indication that if we pray, we will overcome temptation. But if we fail to pray, we will succumb to temptation. If we pray, not just, you know, talk, but some serious prayer. If we pray, when temptation come, we will overcome temptation. But if we do not pray when temptation come, we will succumb. We will fall to temptation. So most of our failure is a failure to pray. So the result is sin. But what we didn't do was pray. Verse 41 says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father. If thou be willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. I want to talk to you today on this topic, eternally focused, eternally focused. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and for the gathering of the people of God. Lord, if we gather and you never show up, Lord, we don't get, we don't receive what we need. We need you, Lord Jesus. 
And while we're here this morning, we pray that you will just manifest your presence and your power among us. That, Lord, whatsoever we need, we will receive before we leave this place today. Will you give us an encounter today? Will you allow the gifts of your spirit to operate in the midst of us, Lord God? I pray, Father, that I will be in the flow of your spirit, that I will minister as your oracle, and that every heart and every mind and every ear will hear what the spirit receive, the engrafted word of God. Lord, let today be a day that will draw us just a little bit more closer to you, that will place us more in the will of God than we've ever been. Speak to us, Lord. And have your way, Lord God. We ask you all of these wonderful things in the name of Jesus Christ. Let somebody say amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Eternally focused. Eternally focused. Every human being possesses a soul. Somebody say soul. Of all the components of the created person, the soul is the primary focus of God's attention. So God's attention is on the soul of man. This is because your soul lifts you out of the realm of animal life and make you a human being. Mm-hmm. Your physical body and the life activity within you make up only a portion of the real you. In other words, we are made up of body, spirit, the breath of God, and soul. And so, if you look at the breath of God, the spirit, and you look at the physical man, we have that. We all have that. But that's still not all of us. That's not the real us. These components make us special and complex. But our soul sets us apart from all others and from all other creation. Your soul is the seat of your personality, your loves and affections your conscience, and everything else that makes you distinctly different. And so, church, what you are is a soul. Everything about you, what makes you unique, how you think, how you process, it is your soul. It's not your physical person, but it's your soul. And your soul is the true essence and the reality of who you are, even though you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Your soul is eternal. It will live forever. Your soul cannot die. Preacher, why do you say that? Everything God made, he made with raw materials. He spoke into existence everything, but everything that he made was made with materials. When God created man... Man came directly from God. And if God is eternal, anything from his person is eternal. 
And so when God, the scripture says God breathed his breath into man's nostril and man became a living soul. So it's the breath of God. It's, it's from the, 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 the person of God that, that created man. That's how man came on the scene. Mankind, human. That's how we came on by the breath of God. So we came from God, which makes us like God. Eternal. We will live forever. We will go on forever. So as you see us today, yes, when our physical body dies and the soul, the spirit goes back to God, the soul still lives on because that came from God and that can never die. I've got two passages of scripture that will help you understand what I just spoke to you about the eternal or the eternal or internality or internal portion of our soul. So here is something that proved to you how internal the soul is. Eternal the soul is. Luke 16.22 says this. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. First of all, how they carrying you when you die? But let's keep reading. The rich man died also and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So let's go with the rich man that died and got buried. How is he dead and buried, but he lift up his eyes? How is he dead and buried, but he's being tormented? How is he dead and buried, but he can see Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham? He's supposed to be dead. But the proof is in that text to say our soul lives on. And so your soul is what gets you to see. Your soul is what feel things. Your soul is who you really are, and that will exist forever. It will never die. Mm-hmm. Also in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, the scripture says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That word tabernacle that the scripture talks of is a reference to our physical body. The body goes back to the dust and the spirit returns to God, but the soul lives on throughout eternity as you and you alone will be. Jesus said, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The obvious answer is nothing. Mm -hmm. What is the value of a soul? Your soul is worth more than the whole world. I need to stop right there and pause and say to us, 
that our soul is more valuable than anything else in this world or outside of this world. And I find it strange that us as mankind find ourselves chasing what we would consider consider valuable things, uh, whether it's jewelry, whether it's, it's, it's material things or real estate or whatever it is that we chase that we think is so valuable and we are not even realizing that our soul is more valuable than the diamonds we have, than the pearls we have, than all the real estate that we own, than all the cars that we drive, that our soul is more valuable than anything else in this world or outside of this world. And if you can grab a hold of that, I'm not telling you to be arrogant, I'm not telling you to be prideful, because those are not accepted before God. But what I'm telling you is, that might cause us to say, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. And you start carrying yourself like somebody that's, you know, knows up a little bit, but, you know, loving people because you come to know who you are as an individual that I am so valuable that I'm not putting on anything that's not as valuable as me. I'm not seeking anything that's not as valuable as me. So it's an interesting, all of us, I fall in the same category too. It's interesting how some of us are doing so much to, to try to attain or to achieve or to have this that's worth this and that that's worth that and get this valuable over here. And we're not even realizing that I've got me. I've got me. I'm the most valuable thing there is. I've got me. And if I'm that valuable, how, mm, Come on, Holy Ghost. People get deposit boxes for the things that are valuable to them. They go to the bank with their keys and and say, I want to go into the vault. And they want to put stuff away because it's so valuable. And I'm here to ask you this morning, are those things more valuable than you? (laughs) If, if, If we thought that those things were, we were more valuable than those things, maybe we would go in the vault. Lock me up in here. Because I'm so valuable, I need to be locked up in a vault. But we go and we put things in the vault because we said, oh, that's valuable. Oh, we go and we hide things away because why? That's valuable. We put things in safe because we said, oh, that's valuable. And we're not stopping to realize I'm more valuable than all these stupid things. All these things that I'm putting all my efforts and energy in protecting and guarding, I'm more valuable than that. Why am I so adamant about achieving those things? I'm more valuable than that. And this is where sometimes God has sent his servants to preach his word to say we need our minds to be transformed. That's what the scripture said. And be ye renewed by the by the renewing of being transformed by the renewing of your mind because we have guarded and, and we, we have allowed ourselves to, to, to behave and see things a certain way and it's so contrary to what God has already said to us and what God is saying to us it's so contrary but we're still going as full steam ahead just behaving and acting in a way that God is not asking us to be because he's trying to teach us how valuable mm. Why am I here, God? Why am I here? Why am I here? All right. I'll do what you want me to do. And so, God, 
we offend God in such a way that we don't realize. This is what the Holy Ghost is just, 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 we're offending God. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because God knows we're the most valuable thing, and he's watching us chasing invaluable things. And he's saying, how this precious, my precious jewel, the everything to me, all of you are everything to me, and, 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 and you're so valuable, and you're chasing things that's beneath you and below you, and I'm your God, and I'm saying, you're the most valuable thing to me, and you are everything to me, and I need you to understand that. I need you to understand your value to me. And you're going around chasing things beneath you. I've said it time and time again. I'm not comparing our world to what God has called us to do. But go over to England. You all know that family, the royal family. Oh, they don't marry nobody outside of the royal family. Do, do that? Do the, right, the royal family don't. They got Megan, they did the Megan thing the other day, right? But before that, they didn't do that, right? Right? Then let's go with the other one. Rich people don't usually marry poor people, do they? Do they? Yeah, you got to have some money too because they think if you're poor and they marry you, you're going to just take their money. My point of that I'm trying to make to you is people that look at themselves as special they only want to be with other special people people that look at themselves as being filthy rich only want to be with the filthy rich and so god's people who are the original royal family we are the most valuable thing in this world but somehow we're letting things that are not valuable to have the best of us and God is looking at us like are you kidding me nothing else came from my person nothing else was created like you I created you in my image I made you like me and you are not even understanding your worth your value who you are to me God needs us to understand that this morning, that we're the most valuable thing that was ever created. And anything that we strive to make important outside of God, because the only thing that's more important to us that is created, well, I can't say that is created. The only thing that's, that's more important to us in this life, outside of this life, is the almighty God. Did you know that? Think about that. In everything that exists today in this world, outside of this world, everything that exists, the only thing that's more important than us is the Almighty. That's interesting. That, that, that's special. So this is why he said in the beginning when he says, he told us, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. Because nothing else is more special more important, more valuable, more powerful than his creation because we came from him. Society places a higher value on the body and the spirit than it does on the soul of men. But even the body isn't worth much in the world of commerce. Your body is not worth much in the world of commerce. Listen to this. The human body, when broken down into its basic elements and materials, is calculated to be worth only about 
$4.50. Somebody said this morning that when you are cremated, your ashes probably weigh about 10 pounds. Ashes. So that's why we're only worth in our physical $4.50. How do you feel now? <laughs> Brother D, we're only worth $4.50. If they burn us up, that's all our ashes is good for. Energize it with the breath of God. Now it has life and it exists and it's okay, it's moving about. But it's still not that valuable. Because just think about life, people's life that they use it to do nothing. It's like they don't have a soul. People that just live life aimlessly, it's like they don't have a soul because it's, it's, it's like they, they just have physical body and breath. And they're just wondering. Because they don't have a soul in that body that's worth $4.50. And that breath of God, when you put a soul in there, we now are worth more than this world. One soul is worth more than this entire world. God. I'm just thinking about God right now. I'm just thinking about God right now. God is helping me this morning. If you don't get anything from this message today, I'm sorry, but I'm getting something. Here's what God just gave me. If we came from God and one of us, because his breath is in us, and one of us is worth more than the whole world, what is the value of God? <laughs> what is the value of God? One soul that he produced, that he created, is worth more than this entire world. What is the value? Of God. <laughs> the soul transcends the parameters of time. Therefore, any decision that may give advantage to the flesh or the spirit adversely affects the soul. The significance of eternity, along with the nature and value of the soul, make it clear that life's toughest decisions must be made from an eternal perspective. What? does all that mean preacher simply put because you are eternal because you have a soul in you you need to now know all the decisions that you make especially the tough decisions especially the important decision the first thing you need to say when you're making those decisions is this an, et an eternal decision because we're eternal but we're making a lot of temporal decisions we are eternal, but we're making decisions that only make us feel good just for a moment. <laughs> we are eternal, and we're making decisions that are not eternal, and they don't do us any good if we are making decisions that are just temporal. Decisions that are temporary. Church, hear me today. We have to start saying, God, you have created me to be an eternal being. And from this moment on, I understand that every decision that I make, I must put my focus on the eternal and not just focus on the temporary, on the desires that only last for a moment. I need to put my focus on the eternal and not just the temporal. 
If you miss anything, don't miss that part. Don't miss that part that what we have to do is make sure our focus is on the eternal. We need to be eternally focused because we are eternal beings. And we don't want to make a decision that is temporal when we are eternal. The two will not go. They contrast because an eternal being needs to make eternal decisions. Ask yourself, what kind of decisions have you been making? Are they temporary? Or the eternal. Boy, when you put that thing in perspective, life become a whole lot more simpler than you really understand. Because now I know it's not hard. No, I'm not going to tell you that it's not going to be challenging. I'm not going to tell you that the the eternal decisions uh, aren't going to be challenging. But what I do know is I know what they are. I know what the eternal decisions are. And it's easy to spot them. So we know, oh, this is eternal decision. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Eternal decisions. All of our decisions that we make, they must be eternal and not temporal. In the prime of Jesus' life, he faced a decision that would alter the landscape of eternity. (laughs) Facing the choice of either salvaging his own life or laying down for the salvation of everyone else, the perspective of eternity kept him Focused. Jesus was focused on eternity from the day he got here. He was never on focus on the temporal. He was always focused on the eternal. After celebrating Passover, Jesus led his disciples to a familiar place, a garden at the Mount of Olives. Upon arriving, Jesus turned to his followers and gave them an earnest plea for them to pray without much details. He warned his disciples that temptation was present and the hour was urgent. He then turned and withdrew himself from them and went a little far off and prayed. His prayers were filled with passion and intensity. There in the garden, the Lord Jesus wrestled with his purpose, struggled with his plan, and cried out for deliverance from the imminent pain he was experiencing. However, in the midst of the spiritual conflict, the eternal perspective broke through his temporal pain. Church, when Jesus prayed in the garden, he was fully human. I want you to understand that. I know it's not always easy to understand, but Jesus Christ is almighty God manifest in flesh. He is so indescribable and the things that he does we can't always wrap our mind around them i know sometimes we're going to question it you can question god but don't not obey him you can question him he will decide if he wants to give you an explanation or not because sometimes the explanation you cannot even understand it and that's why he won't give it to you sometimes he will give you the explanation but my point is jesus is amazing And so when he came into this world as man, he was still fully God. And so when he prayed in the garden, don't think for a second that he had superpowers. He was just like me and you. He was in the flesh. And as he was moving towards his destiny, 
he had a choice. Do I continue this journey to go to the cross and die that all humanity will be will have a chance to be saved? Or do I satisfy my desire to just stop right here and just give up on all of this stuff because my flesh says no? Because the pain, the agony that I'm going through, I can't bear it anymore. And church, when you make eternal decisions, there's going to be pain and agony. When you make eternal decisions, there's going to be conflict within you that you're saying, man, this is so hard. But this is why I'm preaching to you today about this eternal focus. Because the pain is going to come into your heart and your mind and your life when you're struggling to say, I want to do God's will. I want to do what God wants me. There's going to be a struggle and there's going to be pain. And there's going to be frustration and there's going to be a heavy burden. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus, as man, he bared it and says, nevertheless, God's will be done, not my will be done. And so when you think next time that you're going through, because we like to tell ourselves how people don't understand. We like to tell ourselves, uh, you have never been where I've been. We like to tell ourselves, you got to walk in my shoes for you to understand. And that's all good and true. But Jesus is going to tell us this morning, uh, have you walked in my shoes? Uh, because I'm here to tell you, uh, I went through agony. I'm here to tell you, uh, I went through pain uh, like you would not understand. Uh, I went through burden that weighed me down uh, like you could not conceptualize uh, in your mind. Uh, so when you start to think about what you're going through what about think about what I went through what I went through and I said nevertheless I said I'm going to make an eternal decision and not a temporary decision so often if we want to be honest with ourselves if you've lived any kind of life young people let me tell you this if you live any kind of life I am telling you this we have lived it so we know but I'm telling you so many times the easy way to go is just release yourself ease yourself from the pain the hurt the challenge we always want to look for especially this generation y'all want to look for the easiest way because that's what the world is doing we got the apps for everything now everything is easy I like the easy stuff you know I do my order is Starbucks. I just walk in. Hey, everybody. Hey, wait. I get my order and I'm gone. I see the long lines of cars and I'm like, <laughs> and I just walk away because I got my Starbucks, walked in, walked out. So I'm, I'm no different from most of us here that like things to be easier and simpler. I'm good. I'm good. Convenient. I'm good. But let's get this straight. There's no convenience in God. Let's get that part straight. There is no convenience in God. Our world can set up all the convenience it wants. Our world can orchestrate all the convenience it wants. I mean, everything is convenient. The other day, they, you know, they start accepting. You can pay your check at the table. You don't have to go through giving your credit cards and the wage. Everything we're doing to make everything convenient. This is why our generations are struggling to live for God. Because now they've got this contrast. I'm living in a convenient world, but God don't have convenience in his kingdom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, that's, that, that, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. But I'm, this is why I'm preaching to you today about eternal focus. That eternal focus is not going to be convenient. The convenience for Jesus was that... Can just not pray. 
which means my flesh will be stronger than my spirit. And that would mean I, I just won't make the decision to, to, to do what's right. And guess what? I'll just fall into temptation because God will get me out of temptation. Eternal focus is what we have to be about. Though the agony of Jesus' decision still weighed heavily upon him, Jesus continued to surrender to his plan. Agony! But he surrendered to his plan. As we seek to do God's will, we must differentiate the temporal and the eternal. As you live your life for Christ, you have to differentiate the eternal and the temporal. We have one person that's getting ready to get baptized today. The McCarthy's brought her to get baptized today. Thank God for that. Sister, that's an eternal decision. I know it's not easy. I know it wasn't easy for you to come to that decision. This is, this, this is a perfect example of what I'm preaching about this morning. It's not easy to come to that decision to say, I'm going to get baptized and live right. Because a lot of time we think about the live right part. The baptism part is not that bad. But a lot of time we think about the live right part. And say, I don't know about that live right stuff. I, I, I can't live right. That's not that easy. And I'm going to make mistakes. And the devil, the devil speak to you and tell you, I don't know what you try to be no Christian for. Because you know you're going to still go back and do this. And you're going to still go back and do that. And you know you're going to be this. And you can, you, I don't know what you try to do. You, you're going to be a fake Christian. You're going to be a hypocrite. Those are the things that the devil tell you. So you never got baptized. So for a lot of people that procrastinated their baptism, that's what he was telling them. Every one of us know it's a good thing to go to heaven. Every one of us know it's a good thing to have a right relationship with God. We all know that. But why do you think we procrastinate from getting baptized? Because the devil is telling us, you're just going to be a hypocrite anyway. And some of us, because we're upstanding and trying to do right, we buy into that. We say, maybe, maybe that's true. Yeah, let me wait till I'm ready. Let me wait till I'm ready. And the truth of the matter is you can't make yourself ready. You can't make yourself ready. You have to give yourself to Jesus and say, Lord, oh, man, we're going to get here today. We're going to get here today. You got to give yourself to God and say, Lord, guess what? I can't do it. Sister, hear me good today. You just be honest with God. I can't do it, Lord. But I'm still going to follow you. I need you to help me. God takes good pleasure in us admitting that we can't, but we're going to do our very best to do what he wants to do because that's the way he works in our life. We do what we can, and when we can't, he can. And so for all the time that we procrastinate, it's because we listen to the devil telling us, you know you're just going to be a hypocrite. You're going to get baptized and still doing that stuff. Yes, that's what the devil tells you. And so you procrastinate. And so sometimes we have altar call. And we say, come forward and pray. And some people don't come because they're listening to the devil telling them, I don't know what you're going up here to pray for. You know as soon as you leave, you're going to do blah, 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 blah. The devil be crippling you with these thoughts. And all God wants you to do is just say, I can't. But, Lord, I'm going to take a step and trust you to help me because I know I can't. I thought the scripture says, for when you are weak, when you are weak, 
then is God strong in your life. You see, a lot of times we're too strong. And when you're strong, you're going to do what you want to do. And what you want to do is ungodly most of the times. But when you understand that you are weak and you can't do it by yourself, and you know that if God don't help you, you can't make it, then will God work in your life. And that's what he means when he says, when you are weak, then am I strong in your life. So it's okay to admit to weakness. It's okay to admit that you don't know if you can do this. It's okay. But all you got to do is say, but I'm still coming at you, Jesus. All you got to do is say, I'm still seeking you, Jesus. All you got to do is say, I'm still following you, Jesus. I can't on my own, but I'm going to trust you to help me. Let me tell you about this. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 10, watch this. In 2 Timothy 4 and 10, Paul told Timothy that Demas had forsaken him because he loved this present world. Woo. We're talking about Apostle Paul here. We're not talking about just me and you. We're talking about Apostle Paul. Demas, his boy, had forsaken him because of his love for this present world. Here is the actions of Demas. We find an example of having the wrong perspective. It appears Demas had become so fascinated, so awestruck, so captivated by everything that was out in the world that he made a critical decision. Demas forsook Paul because he loved this present world more than he loved following Jesus. Listen, I said this last week, and I guess I got to say it again. When we went to college to go get our degree, it wasn't easy. I don't know who in this room that have a degree that's going to tell me, you're lying if you say it, it was easy. And you're lying if you tell me it wasn't days that you was like, man, this is just a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just tired of this. Nothing wrong with this. I, I can just, hey, listen, I just need a little bit of education. I don't have to get a degree in this. Yeah, and then, then no, nah, I got to get my degree. And so all of these things go on in your mind. So when you finally get your degree, you knew it was hard work. I don't know how we come to God and we don't want to embrace the challenges that we encounter as Christians, but we will embrace the challenges to go get our degree. We will embrace the challenges that we face on our jobs all the time. But when it's time for us to face the challenges that comes with serving God, we back up and we start wavering and we start saying, well, you know, that's a little too much. It's a little too much. I want you to hear me good today. The next time you start saying it's a little too much, I want you to think about the hardest thing you had to accomplish in your life. And I want to ask you today, was that too much? Because that ain't valuable like your life in Christ is valuable. That's just a little too much. Y'all going to the extreme with all of that. Really? Is that so? Okay. You know, I always have confidence in Daryl and pray for him because when I'm getting ready to say the devil going to attack him. I'm praying for you this week because the devil going to attack you for me saying this because that's just how the devil is. But at least we're putting him on, on blast so he's going to know. You want me to tell you what I appreciate about Daryl? Daryl was this close of becoming a professional football player. Still to this day, it's probably in his, in his cross, just he probably still don't understand why he never got there. 
he understands now because he's a man of God and he's doing great for himself. But but the deal was, I know every once in a while he had to think about, man, because he played with football players that went to the pros. He played he played with Donovan McNabb. He played with a lot of people, Marvin Harrison, <laughs> Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. Harrison is a Hall of Fame football player. Donovan McNabb close to the Hall. Of so he didn't just play with people that barely made it into the league. These people made it in the league. And he played with them. But my point is, he was this close from making it. But now, if you talk to Brother D and ask him all about practice, ask him all about what they went through and all of the disciplines that they had to come up with. This is what I always have confidence in him being a good Christian. Never going to attack him, pray for him. But I have confidence in him being a good Christian because I know he knows what struggle, challenge. He knows what, 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 what all of the, the, the pressures of things can be. He knows. And I admire about him that he really understands that. And in his mind, he understands the importance of Christ. So what he's not doing is let anything get the best of him because he knows what he did for football. Mm-hmm. He knows what he did for football. I'm sure he didn't tell me all the stories, but he knew what he did for football. He knew his commitment for football. He knew all of what he did for football. And guess what? In Christ, he's making sure he does everything he can because he realized living for Christ is more valuable than playing professional football. The truth is you always, you and I, always gravitate toward whatever or whomever we desire or love. This is why the Bible says love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. (laughs) An irresistible pull comes into our life for the things that we love. Perhaps even unconsciously or subconsciously, the things that we desire and love, they pull us. What demons didn't know was that this present world wouldn't love him back, church. Can I tell you, this world don't love you back. When you live when you live for the world and you do the things of the world, this world don't love you back. It don't give you anything back. It used you up until it can't use you no more. How many people you know that's just living in the world, partying, smoking, drinking, doing what they do, and you see them and say, girl, you look good. Don't lie to that girl next time you see her. Because she don't look good. She's been smoking too much weed. She drinks too much. She don't get enough sleep. She always partying. She, come on, don't tell that girl she look good. Don't, don't do it. You're lying. You're going to have to repent of your sins. People don't live the world's life and look good because the world beats you down. The world sucks the life out of you. The world just destroys you. And when it's done with you, it just goes on and go. Keep doing what it does. The world don't love you back. So when we're living our life to please and, 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 and just have the desires of this world, it's only temporary. It's not an eternal decision. It's a temporal decision. And when we're done, we're going to find ourselves all messed up, worn out, old, and frustrated because we ran after that world. But when you run after eternity, when you seek after Jesus, when you go and say, God, I want to live for you, then people say, wow, I ain't bragging. But when me and my son go out, they think we brothers. That's right. Me and my boy go out. They think we brothers. Then I tell them, tell them he married with kids. They say, what? 
I said, yeah, he married with kids. That's your son? Yes, everybody. But I say that to say if I was living in the world. Can I tell you a little secret? Every once in a while I see some of my worldly pictures and I say, I look older than. I've been living for God since I was 26 years old. And I see some pictures when I was 25 and 23. I'm like, I look kind of old, bro. You look a little old there. You look better now. Can you imagine? 20-something years later, you look better than that. That's crazy. Because the world don't love you back is what I'm trying to tell you. The world don't love you back. (laughs) If you desire or love the world, the world will not exert any or it will not exert an ungodly influence in your life. So everything that the world will place in your life will be influenced in an ungodly way. You will be influenced to do ungodly things. Jesus' prayer, not my will but thine be done, shows the ascendancy of the spirit over the flesh. The will of God is directly opposed by the will of man. Sometimes it's not even anything bad. I was just saying this morning um, to the church, I said, how many of us have found ourselves praying, praying about food because we were tired and falling asleep? Yeah, Lord, oxtail and rice and peas, bun and cheese, yes, yes, champagne soda, yes, yes, drops, bulla. And then you snapped out of it. Oh, I was asleep. (laughs) You wasn't praying. Your mind was on something else. Because your flesh will get in the way of the things of the spirit. It just happens. There's nothing wrong with you. That's just for us to know that if we let the flesh stay in control, it will be always in opposed to God. If you just let the flesh do what it wants, it will always oppose God. It will either want to sleep. You ever try to read your Bible before you go to bed? Read your Bible. To read your Bible tonight, well, you know, sit in your bed and stretch your leg out, put your glasses on, right, and get your Bible and do this. And start reading some Psalms or something. You fall asleep. I'm just pointing out to you how the flesh always get in the way, whether you're trying or you're not trying. So you have to intentionally engage the spirit of God in order to overcome all of what the flesh is trying to do in your life. We have to think eternally. We have to be focused on eternity, not on the temporal. Temporal will destroy you. The will of God will only assert itself in the submission of the will of man. So a lot of times what's happening in us is we're following our own will. And we are not submitting our will to God's will. And that's why we're not seeing God's will operate in our life. In terms of action, God only activates his will according to when we give permission to him and by faith. So a lot of times you don't realize. I have a message I preach all the time about God being the host of our life and we being the guest what a lot of people do is they make god the guest in their life and they are the host the host is in charge of making everything happen i'm not preaching that message but i'm just i just gotta so when you study what mary did at the marriage 
the first miracle Jesus did, turn water into wine, you know what happened? They ran out of stuff. Mary was the host, hostess for the wedding, the mother of Jesus, hostess for the wedding. And she was I can't get no more wine. And the only way this is going to work is if I put Jesus in charge. And when she told Jesus and stuff, he said, woman, why are you trying to make me operate before my time? But because Jesus never sinned, he obeyed his mother. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man, you study your Bible, you're just like, oh, God. But, but Jesus never sinned, so his mom told him. They, she said, whatever he says do, she flipped the script on him. So now he became the host. Mary went and goes calling shots. All right, go fill these barrels up with water. Blah, 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 blah. Before you know it, wine came. That's the lesson to all of us. Jesus is a guest in many of our lives. We need to make him host. We need to flip the script and say, Jesus, whatever you want, I'm just doing what you want. When someone comes to your house, they don't move unless you tell them to. When somebody sit in your house, they sit down because you tell them to sit down. And where they sit, they don't move until you say, well, come on in the kitchen with me. They do what you tell them to do. So the bottom line is, if you make Jesus a guest in your house, he won't do nothing unless you ask him to do it. Because he's a gentleman. Uh-huh, you never heard that before. You think Jesus strong arm all of us? No, he don't strong arm us. He is a gentleman. He loves us. And so he says, because I love you, I will do what you want me to do, but I'm not going to just do whatever I want to do. That's not gentleman-like. That's not love. Love doesn't force itself. Uh, let me keep it moving. So how do we acquire an eternal perspective? First, we must recognize who we are. Children of God, we have been chosen by God to live in a way that reflects the reality of being children of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the word of God says, The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We are children of God. Let's act like it. That's how we keep an eternal perspective. That's how we keep an eternal perspective. Also, we must recognize where we belong. We belong to the church. My sister, when you get born again today, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you are filled with his spirit. You are now a part of the church, the body of Christ. You must know where you belong. So when somebody says blah, 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 you say, I belong to the church, which is the body of Christ. That's what I belong to. And because I belong to the church, because I'm a part of the church, my focus is eternal. Because I'm a soul and my soul is eternal, my focus is eternal. My goodness. Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present it to him, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy, be, should be holy and without blemish. Only in realizing our identity. That we are soul, our identity, and we were made and created in the image of God. Our identity and to whom we belong can we begin to realize there is something beyond the here and now. We have to stop focusing on the here and now because it's temporary. We must focus on the eternal. To be eternally focused, it is, to, it is important that we continually remind ourselves 
of the end goal. What is your end goal? What is your end goal? Let's stand. What is your end goal? We must keep our eyes on the focus. Our, our, our focus is that one day we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. Our focus should be what we read in, 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 in Luke where, where the Lazarus died and was carried away in the bosom. In the bosom of Abraham. Our focus must be eternal. Everything that we're getting ready to do, we must ask ourselves, is, is this an eternal decision or is this some other kind of decision, some temporary feeling good kind of decision? It is so easy to become distracted in this life, having experienced pain and disappointment and sorrow. You can be distracted easily, but you've got to have an eternal focus so when you distract, get distracted for a minute, you can get right back on track. I was telling Brother Scarlett yesterday when we were driving and that car got into the accident just going all over the place. When the car went from one side of the road from the right to the left and it was going to flip over and go over on the other side of the road, guess what it hit? The guardrail. I said to Brother Scarlett, I said, you've heard me said this before, but we've just seen the proof of it. A church that has standards, have placed guardrails alongside its people. A church with no standards have no guardrails. And so what happens is when you crash, because we all will crash, all have sinned. So we're going to crash at some point in time. You're never going to live this life without crashing. But when you crash with standards in your life, you won't flip over and get destroyed. But when you crash without standards, you can crash and burn and never recover. Standards are important. You can't just live how you want when you're a Christian. You have to put some standards in your life to say, I am going to live this way. And for everybody that is trying to live without standards, let me tell you, I've seen it. You start off with a little bit of, well, nothing wrong with this. The day when that accident comes, you're going to go off the road and flip over. It might not happen immediately, but the accident will come. And with no standards in your life, you will probably flip over and get destroyed because there's no guardrail. Standards are guardrails. When, if you go back to the Old Testament and watch it, God always uses prophets, his men of God that he used to lead to establish a certain standard for where they are and how they were living because the man of God that God placed there knew the climate of what is going on all around him. And so he directs that man of God to develop some standards for that congregation, for that tribe, so they will know what they need to do so they will be kept. So when things come, they will be protected with no standards. You will crash and burn when that time comes. We need standards. Don't abandon standards. Don't say that ain't no Bible because that's what we like to run to. And really quick for the record, all of us have standards in our life. Just leave the church out of it. You've all got standards in your life. Right? Some of us, mess with brother mccarthy and sister mccarthy some of us you know what's the standard oh you're going to go to college and get a great education and that's our standards in our family 
This is what we stand for. Is that like a law that says that you have to do that? But that's their standard. That's their standard. That's what they go by. I'm using that as an example. But all of you have standards. My kids are not going to leave out the house looking any kind of way. That's your standard. Some people let their kids leave out looking all crazy. So we all have standards. So don't act like we don't have standards. So let the church put some standards all around you. And don't be mad. Understand it's only for your good. But everybody want to break down standards. We don't need standards. I saw it for myself yesterday. No guardrail, no standards. Car would have been flipping over, rolling over to the other side and probably get struck a couple of times. And loss of life could have been there. I want you to pray with me. We're going to dismiss. And this is what I want you to pray. I want you to right now, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, Whatever you're challenged with, I want you to go before God today and say, not my will, Lord, but your will. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, but what I'm telling you is we have to make eternal decisions and not make temporal decisions. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to make decisions that people are going to have an issue with you. It's going to offend them that are closest to you. Sometimes the decisions that you have to make, it's going to offend people, but you have to realize that you are making an eternal decision not a temporal decision. Let's go before the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, we give you the praise and the honor. If you like prayer, I want you to come forward. If, if you want to just talk to God and surrender all right here before him, just come forward today because we are making a declaration to God to say, Lord, not your will, but not my will, but thine will be done because we want God's will to be done. The decision is not always easy to make. But we want to make an eternal decision. Ah, The decision that you make, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. Sometimes it hurts you because you know you have to make an eternal decision and the, those around you don't understand it. But I'm here to tell you, hold tight. I'm here to tell you, hold on and make that decision because will see later sooner or later you will see it was what was right it was what was best and it will even help those that even was upset with you when you made that decision it's time to make an eternal decision those of you that are joining us virtually i want you to hear me today i want you to surrender right now get on your knees right now and make an eternal decision to say god i surrender to you and i pray that no longer will I serve my own desires, but I will do your will. Oh, come on somebody and pray with me today. Surrender to the Lord today. Surrender to the Lord today. Make an eternal decision. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the name of Jesus and the authority of the word of God. I pray today that your mind will be clear. I pray today that the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. I loose you today from every stronghold and all distractions. I loose you today from the stronghold. 
Oh, God, I pray that you will open up her understanding even now and give her clear direction, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I want the Holy Ghost power to have dominion and preeminence. Will you reign and rule even now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Tony, I set you free today by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. I set you free today. I loose you today. Oh, I pray the power of God will heal you and make you whole. I pray today you will say to the Lord, help me. Come on, Tony. Tell the Lord to help you. Tell him you're weak and you're not able to do what needs to be done. But you surrender today and ask him for his will to be done. I want you, Tony, to say to God, Father, not my will, but your will be done in the name of Jesus. Not my will, Lord Jesus, but your will be done in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Not my will, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, Sister Stacy. Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your strength. Will you help me today, Lord? Will you move on me today, Lord? In the name of Jesus Christ, set me free, Lord, that I can serve you, that I can do your will. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, Izzy. In the name of Jesus, God can help you. God can do what needs to be done. All you have to do is surrender and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Come on, surrender to the Lord right now. Come on, yield to the Lord right now. And let the Spirit of God reign and rule over you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, Sister Arlene. Today is your day. Today is your day. God is calling you to the kingdom. God is calling you to the kingdom. Heed the word of God today and obey his word. Say yes to his will. Say not my will but thine will be done, O great God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, give her the strength that she needs. Oh God, I pray that you will fortify her and move on her to do your will, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Your will be done, Lord God, and not her will. In the name of Jesus, Lord, touch Isaiah. Lord, let him walk Walk in his purpose and his calling, Lord. Use him mightily and miraculously, Lord God. Let the power of the Holy Ghost baptize him with your spirit and use him, Lord God. Not his will, but your will be done in his life. In the name of Jesus. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Not her will, but your will be done, Lord. Not her will, but your will be done, Lord God. Touch Sister Thomas, Lord God. Let the power of God, oh, Father, overshadow her and move upon her, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, come on. Not your will, but his will be done. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Not his will, not your will, but his will, Mama. Come on, Mama. Not your will, but his will. Cry out to him. Call on his name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Have your way, Lord, have your way, Lord. God, touch him today. Come on, tell him. Tell him, not my will, but your will, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not your will, but God's will be done today. God's will be done today. In the name of Jesus, touch him right now, Lord God. By the power of your spirit, oh God, have your way in his life and the authority of your word. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, have your way. Not our will, but your will be done, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else today? You've never been baptized and you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We have your robe and your towel. You can get baptized today. You can make an eternal decision right now that you will never look back and never have to worry because you know on February 27, 2022, God has called you to be baptized and you will change. Right now you can be changed. Will you make that decision? Is there one more? Amen. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, Sister Arlene. We, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We've got two robes and two towels. Come on, we're going down the street for God to do his will. Come on, take care of Sister Arlene and get her down the street. Take care of Sister Johnson and take her down the street. Let's go. 